talking about stress. So going, so like I said, you know, your typical topics for a couple, a lot of times you deal with communication, dating your spouse, very important. Um, you deal with intimacy again, very important. You know, there's emotional and physical intimacy, all these really important topics. A lot of times we don't really talk about stress. We treat the symptoms of stress. And really a lot, and what I've discovered in our relationship is there's, there's the behavior and then there's the root of the behavior. And really when we're talking about stress in a marriage, we're really talking about the root of a lot of, of behavior that um, all we see is the, the symptoms. We see the impatient attitude, the, um, or maybe emotional attitude. In fact, there's a whole chart that, um, that says, you know, this, the impact of stress on a person um, things like headaches um, for the wife who's getting a headache every night at nine o'clock. Maybe they're stressed out. I don't know. Um, just throwing that out there. But fatigue, um, things like chest pains. Honestly, um, sex does, or I'm sorry, stress does impact a sex drive, upset stomach. But then there's anxiety, depression, irritability, uh, feeling of overwhelmed or being overwhelmed. But also it, it can lead to a social withdrawal. Um, angry outburst. Um, it can affect overeating and stuff like that. So stress, what happens, it impacts so many parts of our life. And all we see is the symptoms. All we see is well, my spouse is, is not talking. My, my spouse is distant. My spouse is not very patient. My spouse is losing their temper faster than they normally do. All these kind of things. And we attack the symptoms instead of really going after the root. And this class, I really want to dig into what is the root? What is, what's the undercurrent behind a lot of what we deal with, um, especially in our world that's very, very pressure-filled right now. Um, we, I, I think these phones are blessings, but they also can add stress because we, we've never been inundated with so much information that we are right now in our time. And it, it can be overload. It can be stressful. It can be it can be too much. And so how do we manage all of that in our relationship? And sometimes you may not even realize that you're stressed. Yep. There's a lot of times that he will pick up that I'm stressed before I even realize that that's what's wrong with me. Yep. He'll come in. He's like, what's wrong with you? Something's bothering you. I'm like, I'm fine. That's like my thing. I Code word. Say. All right. For every man here, when the wife says I'm fine, she's lying. Um, well, typically not yes. true. So, yeah. but I'll be like, I'm okay. I'm fine. You know, it's not, I don't feel like I'm anything, but then when I start thinking about it, it's like, oh yeah, that is eating at me. That is bothering me. Um, so a lot of times he'll know that I'm stressed or dealing with something before I even know that I'm. And this is one stressed. of the points we'll talk about in a minute about becoming self-aware. Cause that's something that we've gotten better at. Um, but kind of just let's lay a good foundation, a good framework, and then we'll kind of go from there. Um, but really, so stress is both good and bad. So stress can be defined as pressure or tension um, exerted on um, on something. You know, stress turns a coal into a diamond. Um, and if you know my wife, uh, she likes diamonds. So, and for that case, stress is a wonderful thing for her. But stress in a marriage can actually be a catalyst for change. Because if you're like me, I can get compl complacent very easy. And it takes something, a catalyst, something to, to a lot of times to get me uncomfortable to where I'm prompted to do to change. And so stress can be that catalyst. Stress is the result or can result in some innovation, some breakthrough, 
um sometimes stress like i said is a good thing the problem is that when stress turns into the next definition of it is a state of mental or emotional strain a strain or tension another way of saying that is anxiety or worry and this is where really in a relationship you wear things differently there's her way of processing stress or, or worry is much different than mine and it took us a while to kind of understand those triggers or the response to it um and certain things cause more stress like because of her childhood money can stress her money's a huge trigger for me um i will start feeling stressed like it doesn't have to be i don't know i do very well when there's a direct deposit every two weeks and i know the exact amount coming in and i can budget whatever well, that's not really the life God ca- has called us to at this time in our life. And so it's very difficult for me. And so that's just one of the things that is a trigger. And I stress more about, um, not that I've ever been forsaken or whatever. It's just something that is a trigger for me. Yep. And so my job as her husband is to realize and to be patient in those moments. Um, and there are certain things that stress me out. There's, I can be honest, you know, we have six kids she as a mom have has a much different grace for our children than I do. Um, if I were to stay home all day, every day with our six kids, um, you did you just laugh? I did. You just laughed. Um, that's what <laughs> that would happen. Funny. That's what. And so they would all get fed. You know, she went to, to church camp um, with our daughter this year. I had the house um, and I, I ran. I was I did good. I, did good. I every kid was fed. I cooked real meals, didn't throw, you know, didn't microwave anything. My, our youngest son was sick and I took care of him, but there was something different. When mama came home, he, he um, my our youngest son, Judah looked at me and goes, dad, all you did was scratch my back and give me medicine. I don't have the same warmth that my wife does. And so it stressed me a little bit. And then I killed some of her plants. And so whatever, um, apparently watering wasn't a priority. But there's certain things that she can handle much easier than I can. Like just, I'm not a, I'm not a mom, thank God. Um, and so we have to not in those situations. What will happen is if I don't understand her, I can very easily invalidate her. I don't uh, money stuff uncertainty doesn't necessarily stress me like like it does. And so I can become impatient with her. Well, I suck it up and get over it. I'm never like a good fine. response. Why are you why yeah. why are you stressing out about this? Everything is fine. Yeah. Well, and for years I would do that. He'd be like, get over it. Like, why I don't understand. And like the kids, I'm like, well, you just chill. It's okay. Like, don't why are you stressing? And so we would invalidate each other yeah. and um our feelings, you know, just because you're not feeling something that your spouse is feeling doesn't mean that it's not a legitimate, they have the right to feel what they feel. Now it may not be accurate but it's still how they feel. And so we can't invalidate how the other feels just because we don't get it. Yep. So uh, we've a couple of key things that we've discovered so far. Saying get over it typically does not promote peace in in the home. So two things we've learned so far. One, if a wife says she's fine, she's lying. And two, if you tell your wife or even your husband to get over it, um, they typically don't as fast as you would want them to. And so there's we'll talk about you know uh, patience and stuff all that kind of stuff um but when we talk about stress like i said a lot of it's not always negative stuff you know and the sources of stress in our life kids um family work um 
work can be a source of stress, but if you take work out of the equation, then you don't have electricity. The alternative's not very good. Yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> finances can be stressed, and and just and let me tell you, too much or let me put it this way: finances can be stressful no matter how much you have in the bank. It's not just I wish I had enough because there's people who win the lottery that discover a whole different kind of stress. So finances themselves can be stress. Busyness can be stress. Who's starting back to school? Thumbs up if you're starting back to school, um, whether you're homeschooling or not. Um, we have activities. We have three kids in piano. One in dance. One in dance. One in tennis. One in tennis. One getting married in January. And then our youngest is trying to decide if he's going to be the next Kung Fu master or baseball star. So we don't know what he's going to be doing. Um, so busyness can be really good, but also stressful. Yeah. Um, and then some of it is just being out of alignment, your, your place and, and the structure and the center of your home. If we shift that out, we can cause stress. I know sometimes like, you know, we, ha we all do a lot of things. There's a lot of things on our plates. And I've noticed that recently I was doing a lot of things in it about a year ago, everything was good. Everything that I was doing, it was ministry. It was helping people. It was stuff for my children. Like nothing was like a terrible thing that I was doing, but there were several things that I was not meant to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I had said yes to way too much. And so sometimes just getting out of alignment with what we're called to do or what we're supposed to be doing in that season can add a level of stress that wasn't intended to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot better about saying no. Um, which is hard for me, but saying no to keep my plate in balance. And there's always busy seasons. Um, back to school is just crazy trying to get back in schedule, but um, making sure that I'm not overextending myself, that I have enough hours in the day, enough for him and for our marriage and for my quiet time and with God and myself just having me time. So I have to make sure that I keep myself in balance with what's going on because I can get stressed just by taking on too many good things. Yep. Not that they're bad, they're good, but they're bad because I'm taking on too much. Well, that's what everything we mentioned, you know, kids, family, work, finances, busyness, those aren't necessarily bad. They're bad out of order. Right. Kids are a wonderful thing. When you lose your marriage into your children, that's and you add stress to your marriage. Because you're living for your kids and though you're on a trajectory to when the kids leave, your marriage leaves as well. Works great, but if it takes over, um, when I worked in logistics, the divorce rate for upper management was staggering because it was a very demanding field that you almost, that was your first boss um, or first first priority. And, and so uh, it's not work isn't bad, work out of balance is bad. And so, but here's, I'll look at things from two different perspectives tonight. One is if you're the one dealing with stress, and then we'll talk about the one that's the spouse is dealing with stress. So if you're the one that's dealing with stress, this is the most important part. And this is where, as Heather mentioned a few minutes ago, this is where we've struggled. Be, you have to be very self-aware. And I discovered, I always would say I, stress never bothered me. Um, my the church that we resigned from a year and a half ago, I was head of the finances for the church and COVID hit. And I was in charge of making sure that the church kept going with COVID and we had to shut down Mother's Day out and we had to do certain things because of COVID. And I remember I would almost every day or every, at least multiple times a week, 
I was looking at the finances. I was looking at how much money was coming, how much money was going out because it was such an, an important part of, we went, we had to keep going. I didn't realize until I stepped away the, the, the stress that I was under and the toll that it took on me looking back that two years, it felt like it aged me. I um, in, in the middle of it, I didn't realize that. Now, my wife, I realized it. <laughs> she knew. I could tell. Um, and Lisa and Mike were around. So Lisa may have. Lisa probably could tell that yeah, we were stressed. Because she used to work with us and she she saw all the the good, bad, and ugly parts that we won't talk about because she's muted, um, which is good. Um, but it took me stepping away to realize, oh my gosh, that was stressful. And I didn't handle the stress very well. And, and COVID as a whole was stressful yeah. in your home. I mean, your work, like everybody's lives were literally flipped upside down. And so everybody had an element of stress. His happened mm -hmm. to be finances and trying to keep people's payroll going and the church functioning. I had a whole different level of stress of trying to keep my kids from getting sick and life selling boxes. I mean, this was like in the beginning when the whole world was shut down, there was mm -hmm. like a whole nother level of stress that we all encountered it was the stress of the, un the unknown i thought yeah and so that was a level of stress now we're into a new level not a new level but just a different it's different the economy's weird like everything inflation is high like i don't know and for us a new season our daughter's a senior our son's getting married in six months so now we have a different like each season of your life brings a different stress it's not that it's more or less it's sometimes just it's just different potty so, training is stressful if you're in a potty training age let me tell you changing diapers and wiping rears that's stressful yeah. um i'd rather deal with a teenage attitude than wiping a rear so but you know whatever. coming out of covid because that was a different level for a lot of people there was a lot of marriages that were in crisis because yeah. there was so much stress like people were turning on each other and that's what we have to keep ourselves from doing is that you know <laughs> we are Sorry, buddy. Um, whenever we're stressed, a lot of times I would turn on him mm -hmm. and it would, cause mine usually comes out as anger or um, depression. And so I would turn on him. Well, I'm not mad at him. It's not his fault, but that's just how I would, my stress would. The symptom of stress would reveal yeah. itself with depression or irritability. And that's where the self-awareness comes in is knowing, okay, I'm not at my best right now. I need to shut up. I need to stop talking. I need to withdraw. And she's gotten very, very good about realizing, okay, I'm not where I need to be. I need some time. I need to go away. And I, and I can always tell whenever she's needing some quiet time is whenever she goes in the bedroom, I hear the door shut, the bathroom on, and then the door's locked. <laughs> <laughs> That is, that's my escape but y'all yeah. in a house with eight people that's kind of the only place there is an escape yep. and so but find it, your place exactly and it's the self-awareness to know okay i i'm not handling this or it's maybe it's maybe this stress is turning into anxiety or maybe this stress is wearing on me i i need something um i need time alone guys you read the bible jesus got alone and a, a lot in the mornings he would go have quiet time he was dealing with the disciples he had the weight of the world literally on him. He escaped. He got by himself. He was very self-aware of what he needed. And so don't think that we're better than that. Um, we have to be very self-aware. Um, and then the other part of this is the self-aware is it make God our first choice and not our last resort. This is where human nature comes in. 
is we do everything that we can. We try to solve all of our problems. We try to fix everything. And then when all else fails, we turn to God, right? He's our Hail Mary. We help at the last minute. He comes in and rescues us from whatever mess that we're in. Instead of what we should have done is the very beginning, turn to him. And those scriptures, like I said, it says in Isaiah 26, it says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Um, and this other scripture, it's a common scripture, Philippians 419. It says the same God who takes care of me will supply all of my needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. It says in Peter to take all your worries and cares and give it over to God. It doesn't say any of that as a last resort. It's a way of life. And we have to be so quick to realize, okay, this moment may be getting the best of me. I need God. This moment is something more than I maybe can handle in the moment. I need to turn it. I need to give it to God. I need to trust. I need to take it to someone who is more capable than I am. Because let me tell you, where I am weak, God is strong. Where I'm limited, he is not. And as much as I love her, he loves her more. So I can trust God with the most precious relationships that I have. I love my kids. I would die for my kids. Jesus already did die for my kids. And so the love that I have for my family is nothing compared to God's love for us. So I can trust him with my life. I can trust him with my family. And so that means whenever the stress turns to anxiety and worry, I have to do what the scripture says and take it to God and then leave it there. And that's where the other part of it is another part is first make God, make God your first choice. And then you got to win the battle of your minds. This is whenever I can uh, turn stress toxic is whenever it consumes me, whenever it fills my thoughts, when, the, when that stress turns to anxiety, that anxiety turns to worry, that worry turns to an ulcer or whatever, is that we have to win the battle of our minds and do what it says in Philippians. This says that fix our thoughts on what things are, are, are honorable and true and right and pure and lovely. We have to obey the word on this because God understands how he created us. And so we have to go back to what he told us to do in those moments whenever stress or anxiety is, is it's thick and it's, it's wearing on me. I have to go back to the foundation. I have to trust. And then I have to control my mind because if I let my mind focus on the problem, I lose patience. I'm not at my best. I'm frustrated. Um, when I, and I was like that at, when I was dealing with the finances. It consumed me. And she'd walk in and I'm in the middle of an Excel spreadsheet and she'd ask a question and I'd probably, and there was a couple of times I bit back at her. And she was very patient most of the time. Tried to be. Most of the time. I always was like, well, are you looking at that again? Like the numbers haven't changed in the last 12 hours. Like well, Sometimes they did. Most of the time they did not. So why are we looking at that again? Um, but it, it's something that go back to the foundation. And this is where the God first part of it comes in. She can't be my savior. She can't fix all my problems. And so when I'm stressed, I can't rely on even her. I have to be also self-aware that I'm limited. I'm, there's things I don't know. There's things I can't figure out. The one person who we can trust is God. The one person who knows how to work all things together for the good of those who, who love him is God. And so we have to make him our first choice. We have to go to him first and not drag our marriage down this long winding road of trying everything that we can. And when all else fails, finally, you know, as we're broken and on our last breath, ask God for help. 
it's got to be faster than that because we owe it to ourselves for our own peace of mind, but also to our spouse. Mm -hmm. So a couple of the key things. And then the other part is this, this is where the maturity comes in. And this is where I think my wife sometimes is, is I, I'd say we both have learned a lot on how to help each other. Usually by doing it wrong first. Yes. That's how we usually operate. We do it wrong first and then we learn a lesson and then we get a little smarter and we try it the right way. <laughs> yep. So if your spouse is the one going through stress, so we talked about if I'm the one stressed, I have responsibility. I can't let my stress be the reason why I treat her bad. That's not okay. So my responsibility in those moments is to is to be self-aware, take it to God and control my thoughts. Let my thoughts dwell on him, right? Okay. Now, what if your spouse is dealing with stress? What if your spouse is the one going through it? And your spouse is grumpy or frustrated or depressed or withdrawn or the all other things. What do you do at that point? What do you do? <laughs> you're asking me. So first you're going to pray because the Lord knows how to reach them even whenever you can't. Um, and I know we say that a lot. Pray, 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 pray and pray some more because that's really that's our first that's our first line of defense. That's our first. We go to God. Um, and then don't don't get sucked into it with them and that can be hard like if he's struggling with something you know i can either get sucked in and become uber stressed and then we're like this giant our whole house is stressed because we set the tone of our home yeah. and so we can't get sucked into where we're both and there are times when we're both stressed but we try very hard to keep the house peaceful because our kids know if we're stressed and so don't get sucked in with them, but try to be the peacemaker and try to bring encouragement. You know, when I'm dealing with something, he'll be like, but you know, this has always worked out. And he'll start telling me all the times that God's come through and all the times that God's made it work and all the things. And so he's my encourager. And I do the same for him. Hey, you know, God's got this. COVID wasn't a surprise. Like when we were going through that, God, God's got it. He's not abandoned us. He knows. And so we'd be there. We're their cheerleader. We're there to encourage and lift them up and um, remind them of all the positive things that everything's not glass half empty, that it's still half full and there's still a lot to be thankful for and grateful for in the moment. And so we try to be their encourager in that moment. No. And this is where it, I read a really, really interesting article um, by, it was on psychology today, talked about stress is contagious and what it really does. And it's, this is where the maturity in a relationship comes in, or maybe maturity individually, whenever she's in a bad mood, it should mean that I'm on automatically in a bad mood. Now for the majority of our, well, the first 10 years of our marriage, maybe 15, my mood kind of, our moods depend or, or dictate you know, each you've other. Always had, you've had that time in your house when one person is in a bad mood and then all of a sudden it trickles to all the people in our house. Then by the end, all eight people in the house were in bad moods and everybody just kind of goes to the room, shuts the door and everybody just don't talk. We'll start again tomorrow. We've all had those moments. I mean, they happen. And typically those kind of dynamics started with one person. Rarely do does the entire house wake up in the, on the wrong side of the bed. And if that's the case, go back to bed, start over, reboot. <laughs> but stress, it can be contagious. We we will take our our problems, our our issues, our anxiety, our worry, and we project it. And this is where I talked about the symptoms. The symptoms may be revealing themselves in your spouse in, in irritability, your anger. <clears throat> and it's easy to take it personal. 
for a lot of times um when because she's been open about she dealt with depression or it can deal with it's something that she's had to deal with and for a lot of times i would fix it or try to fix it and i would get frustrated like okay why am i not good enough why why is she depressed if she's happily married and i would internalize all of that which is incredibly ridiculous because i was making her problem about me my job in those moments was to support and encourage her not let what she's going through become contagious and, and negatively impact the home and so if you're watching your spouse go through that this um the proverbs 15 1 says a gentle answer deflects anger but harsh words make tempers flare and so when your spouse is showing the symptoms of stress, they don't need you dogpiling. They don't need another person to fight. They need a gentle answer that deflects anger. They may walk in and be snippy with you. And you can walk and you can look up and say, you know, I love you. I'm sorry you're having a bad day. And it may make them mad because they, they're looking for a fight. But that with, you gave them the right thing because in a few minutes, when they calm down, they'll appreciate it. Um, Proverbs 12, 25 says anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. And so we've done that. There's sometimes, and actually more than more often than not, when one of us is frustrated, um, we we really enjoy like I, when she's really really like agitated. Um, I like telling her how cute she is. It makes her really mad in the moment, and it's, to me, it's more fun because I think she's kind of cute when she's mad. And so, um, but especially whenever she's like when she's really mad, walk him and try to kiss her, and she's done that to me. She's you know whenever I'm mad at. It's, she walks up it's hard to be mad at someone when they're trying to kiss you it's very hard to be mad at somebody whenever they're saying kind words to you too like if you're looking for a fight with your spouse and they start telling you how wonderful or hey you look beautiful today it's very hard to stay mad um and so in that moment like if somebody you know like if he were to come at me in like a snippy way i could i could feed into that i could get snippy and snarky right back and then cause a thing right or i could just Hey, a kind answer, a kind word. Hey, I know you're stressed, but I love you anyway. Hey, you're good at this, or you know, just being positive and whatever. We can deflect that and we can flip the script. And then you catch them off guard versus, or you can feed into it. And then, you know, I that's I, not that's not a great I always go. recommend just start making out. Yeah, that'll calm them down. Try it. I don't necessarily advise that but i mean whatever works all right so we're looking for a volunteer Uh, i need one one husband the next time that their wife is in a very very upset mood and is a little snippy i just want you just to sweep her off her feet and just start kissing on her and go to the bedroom and let me know if you survive because if you if it works for you then i'll try um but we also have to be aware of what our our spouse's temperament and not push too hard, but don't let stress be contagious. Be the cheerleader, be the encourager, be the, uh, I'm supporting her when no one else is because that's my job. I will go down fighting for her. I will go down encouraging her. And whenever I see that she's struggling, oh, it says we're freezing up. Can you, can you hear us? We're good now. Okay. Okay. Sometimes we were having trouble with Zoom the other night on a session with somebody. It was acting up. Okay. Um, another thing is when your spouse comes to you, I had a thought. Zoom took it. Zoom took my thought. Sometimes that happens too. Um, 
oh, whenever your spouse comes to you and they want to, they need to talk, listen, not with ears to immediately try to fix it or respond, but listen, just to listen, listen to what they have to say, and then just encourage. Um, we've learned the hard way again, you know, if if I'm dealing with something and I come to him, he wants to fix everything because that's just his nature. Well, there's a lot of times he can't fix it. And so I need him to listen to, just listen to me so that I can vent and get it off my chest without him thinking that he can go fix it. Because sometimes when you try to fix the thing that your spouse is going through, you'll turn it into a mess. Oh, it's frozen again. Oh, Okay, let me, should I stop recording? No, keep going. Sorry, we're trying. Is that better now? I see, like all of a sudden, all of you will get really, really still. <laughs> and everybody's just frozen in time. Okay, maybe it's gonna work now. I don't know. So we've learned on Zoom that you have to shut down every single app on your computer. You can't have any of them open. Um, and so we have them all closed. Okay. All right. We'll try it. Um, but anyways, we have to listen for the sake of just listening. Let your spouse get it, get it off. Sometimes if I just talk through it, then I'm better. I just need a safe place that I can unload it knowing that he's not going to try to fix it, but that I can, I can just talk and I'm heard and I'm validated and then I can move on and I'm better. Um, no, and here's what our spouse needs in times of stress. This, they need their friend. They need their, their companion. That's not the time for the passionate lover to try to, to emerge. They, they need someone that's just going to walk on this journey with them and say, I got your back. I'm here. If you need me to try to be the, the hero and fix it, I'll do whatever I can. But there's a lot of times we're going when she's going through stuff, I, I can't fix everything. There's I don't I don't have the same stresses and same hormones and all the things that she deals with and all of that. I don't know what it's like to be a mom of, of six kids and and have it just weighs differently. And so instead of trying to make it to where I'm the hero, I'm saying that God's the hero. My job is to just, I'm walking with her. I'm here. I have her back. Whatever she needs, um, I'm cheering her on. When she's down, I'm telling her how awesome she is. And most of the time, God's good this way. If I'm down, he's on a high point. Or if he's down, I'm on a high point. Very rarely in the 21 years of marriage have we both been down at the same time. There have been one or two times when it was just intense, but for the most part, one of us is always in a place where we can encourage the other um, very rarely. And then if there was, a, you've got to have people in your life on in your circle that will encourage you when you are both down, because we do go through harder times, yeah. you know, maybe that is a death in the family or something that you're both struggling with at the same time. You know, you've got to have people in your circle and that's where having your people and your tribe to surround you with prayer and encouragement and support we're big on have your people. You you can't do life alone. No. Even if it's just me and him, we can't do it just the two of us. You have to have a support group and you have to have people that you can call on whenever things are tough. Um, you know, if 
I have, I have girls that I can go to coffee with or whatever, and just hash some things out. And he has guys that he goes to coffee with, but then we have couples that we do things together with. And so it's important to have all those things, um, get involved in your local church, have a small group. We teach a marriage class at church and that becomes like a small little family of people because we're living out daily life together every week, week in and week out. And, you know, you get to walk through and see that you're normal and see that your family's normal and you're not out there on an island by yourself. And cause we did life alone for a long time. And then we had a marriage group and that was our family. Those were our people. Um, and so it's so important to have, I don't know why I got started on that, but anyways, no, you've got to have a group of people. Cause that's part of it is as a, as a couple, there's things that you can do to stay ahead of stress. And that's, that's part of it is is having people in your life that can help you see stuff coming. Because there's a lot of times you can see the train wreck before the conductor that's on the train because you you have a different perspective. You're zoomed out. Um, and I'll pick on Lisa just because I like picking on Lisa. Um, she's on here. Um, her and my wife went to breakfast a couple of weeks ago. And um, Lisa was like, wait a minute, are you doing this? And, and she was- as- She knew some things that I had walked through. And so she thought I was walking back into that yeah. same scenario again. But, and as a friend it's like, Hey, 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 wait a minute. I said, is there a train wreck coming? You, having godly people around you that are smarter than you are, or have a different perspective is really good. Surround find your people, find people that'll speak life into you, find people that care enough about you that will call you out and say, Hey, this isn't, this isn't necessarily the best thing in the world. Have you thought about this? If everyone around you thinks that every one of your ideas is always great, find someone else because you need people that understand that you're not perfect and can help you along the journey. You and your spouse will be better off if, by surrounding yourself with people that are going to h- speak life and courage that are going to hold you accountable. Hold, that's, that's the biggest thing is like hold accountable it, is you need. That's what friends are for guys. We're not meant to do this alone. We're not designed by God to be people that just go out and live as hermits. God designed us to be social creatures as a, for a reason. Um, now, some there may be people with l- less degrees or more degrees of sociability, but don't go through don't go through your marriage alone. You need people. The other part of it, as a couple, and this is so important, we talk about dating often. Dating is one of the things that will help you manage stress because it helps you to shut out everything but you all the things we talked about work busyness kids family when you have your your own personal date time all of that goes away it's just me and her the kids have learned they don't unless the house is on fire or someone is on the way to the hospital don't call me don't text me i don't care if whatever unless it's an emergency that is my time if a family member calls and we're in the middle of a date night we don't answer the phone we we shut out everything because we need that time because that it helps keep us a whole helps put us in the position to where we can healthily manage stress and not let stress wear us down and the other part of it is that open communication as a couple when you're having those date nights choose those times because if you have kids um, it's very hard a lot of times to have complete thoughts that you can articulate without a kid interrupting. I love my kids, but they have a radar 
Um, they know one, whenever daddy's trying to kiss mommy, mommy's trying to kiss daddy, a kid shows up, inevitable. Um, and they also know whenever we're trying to have a serious conversation, when we're trying to have talk, a kid needs something. They're, they're never thirstier than whenever mommy wants and daddy wants to talk. They never need another snack. We could have just eaten dinner, had an after dinner snack, and then we're going to have a, a serious conversation and three kids tell me how hungry they are. We try to have a meal, just the two of us every week where it's just the two because y'all family dinner at our house there's like eight to ten people around this giant table with about 50 different conversations going across any which way at any given point so it's very there's just a lot happening at that table we're not going to have a conversation at that meal it is it is family time um my son's fiance is sometimes here sunday night dinner it, literally it's about 10 people sometimes 11 now because now we have another one dating and so there's always like our dinner table we got a bigger table so that we could all surround it but that's not a time that him and I are going to get to connect at a at a meal we connect with our children that's great kind of when I can I well, don't they, well with all those conversations but, but they need that because part of those times those dinner times those moments when it's just a they need that as well because that's their escape from the world that's they're not on their electronics. Their friends can't call. They're, that's when we're talking. And so as a family, we, we yeah. need those pockets. We, we just had the opportunity a week and a half ago when we didn't have class. We were actually in Broken Bow. Um, we went to a cabin where our cell phones didn't work, and it was beautiful. For three or four days, there was only like a few spots that we actually could take phone calls. And so we, we needed that. There was a few days we just breathed and just relaxed. And if someone needed us, I'm sorry. We got back to everybody when we got back in town. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to have those moments to stay ahead of the pressure cooker of life that we live in. Because our culture equates busyness with success. And so we have to stop. We have to not fall into that cycle. Uh, are we, we're frozen up again, aren't we? We're good. Right. Okay. We have to not fall into the cycle that busyness, busyness, that I'm, it's, we're bragging where everyone, we get around each other. Well, I'm busier than you are. Well, I work 40 hours a week. Well, I work 60 hours a week. I don't care. How's your home? How's your marriage? How's your, how's your health? And so you have to find those pockets that you can escape. If you can't go out weekly, then do a date night at the house. For years, we didn't have the, the finances or the babysitters to go out. So we put the kids to bed early and we would just, that was our, and they knew don't come out, leave, leave mommy, daddy alone. And so we went out of our way to inconvenience ourselves in a good way to make sure that we stayed whole. And so, um, but make the most of it. It's not just the quantity of time. It's the quality of time. If you're going on a date with your spouse and you do this most of the night, you've missed the chance to connect. And if you can't communicate very well on a date night, you're not going to communicate at any other point. So we get on our date nights. We have our romantic playlist. We hit play. We hold hands and we drive. And we just like. It's my favorite. We just escape. And sometimes we'll sing our favorite songs to each other. And sometimes we'll turn the music off and we'll talk. We're, we're cheesy dorks, y'all. Just know. And we have a playlist and it works out for us. We're cheesy and we're dorks and it's fine. Yeah. But it works. Yes. I mean, there's certain songs that are, I think, written just for us because God knew that we were going to be married. And so, it's, but it's us. It works. We get to escape. And then we talk. And then we talk more. 
and so it helps us because we don't, we're not bottling up things. We're not, we're not, I have to hide stress from her because I don't want her. No, we're talking about it. And so, um, someone that's not cheesy at all. That's, that's right. <laughs> so find your playlist, find your cheesy. Oh, it's God. actually labeled like, I don't It's know. called Heather. It's he's, he made it for yeah. me and it's called Heather. And it's like all of my favorite like songs. And so I don't know. It's my favorite. My kids will say, you only listen to the same songs. And I'm okay. like, I know those are my songs. Those, are <laughs> And so anyways, that's, that's our thing. But it works. And so your marriage should be the most safe place that you have on this planet. It's your refuge from, and what we'll say that our marriage is the place where stress goes to die because I'm not going to let stress invade us. I'm going to fight for her. I'm not going to fight her. When she's not at her best and she's dealing with depression and she's dealing with something, I'm not going to fight her because of the symptoms of stress. I'm going to fight for her. I'm going to pray for her. I'm going to encourage her. I'm going to help pick her up when she's down. I'm going to get in the car and put our, our little cheesy playlist on, hold her hand and go on a date. I'm going to whatever she needs from me. And so it's a, she can trust me with her emotions. She can trust me with not being the best version of herself. And so it's really the place where stress goes to die. And it, it wasn't like that always. Mm -mm. The first 10 years, definitely. It was not. It's we, probably where this we place. were the stress. Yes. <laughs> the first 10 years, I think we've learned a lot along the way. Um, anyways, if you have, if you have any questions that you're thinking about, you can pop them in the chat. Um, All right. And here I'll, I'll do one. And so while people are thinking of a question, what's your favorite couple's love song? oh dear <laughs> so i i, I, I tease keep around it clean y'all well if, if that's your favorite couple's love song then i don't need to know about it i'm just saying there's some doozies out there, there. are some but like there's a uh, song brad Pais brad paisley wrote called perfect storm that is my wife it literally it describes heather um so if you have those songs feel free to write it in there um and if it's not appropriate then oh well don't write it um <laughs> if you have any questions this is a good time Do next week's on intimacy it is on intimacy same time same place and depending on what people write as their their song maybe we'll have some guest speakers for it i'm just joking that's a funny joke i but thought it I was funny know. that was a swing and a miss <sighs> sometimes we marry people that are opposite from us so no one's writing their love songs all right come on you are the i know someone said it's not cheesy so we all right I guess these people don't have love songs. <laughs> so all right, raise your hand if you're like sappy, like you sing love, love the songs to your spouse. I mean, I'll belt it out. So he's the romantic one. That's right. Like he's the one that he'll write me like this um, long love note, whatever. And I'll go love you with the kiss face emoji. And that's what I send back to him because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so good with the words. Yep. I'll write a three page paper and she'll like, good job, little buddy. So this one, can we talk? All right, I'm gonna... Heaven. Yes, that's a good one. I Heaven like by that Kane one. Brown. All right. I love me some Kane Brown. Yep, yep. That was on your list before I, I took it off because I have to listen to it too. Whatever. Voice of theory, say yes. Okay, we're going to have to add some of these. Keith Urban, you're everything. Yes. So those are all good. I like all those. I see you people kind of have some romance too. There you go. But usually one spouse. 
I want to make it. I've never fun. heard of that. It's hard to love by Lee. I've never heard of Lee Bryce. I know. I'm going to have to go and. Brown eyed girl. Yes. See, there you go. All right. So, but the fun thing is when you have these moments, you have Vince Gill. Um, yeah, he's got some love songs. Um, when you have these moments and you have these, you can escape in a song. And, and when I say escape, I'm not talking about escaping reality in a way that's not healthy. But we shut out the stress. Choose. And what you're deliberately saying is I'm going to love the moment with my spouse more than I'm worried about what if could happen. Because really stress, when it turns into anxiety, we're worried about all the what ifs. What if this happens? What if this doesn't work? Um, when my sons were in the NICU, the, that's a neonatal ICU. There were 35 weeks when they were born, five pounds, five ounces, identical, but both lungs weren't developed in both in the twins. And so they were in the ICU. And one day I was driving home. It was just me. It was late at night. And while I was driving by a golf course, which is one of the few places around us that actually has trees, but I was looking at the trees and I realized that the same God who designed those trees was the one that I was praying to, to heal my, or to form my twins' lungs. I realized lungs aren't a big deal for him. If he had the power to design a tree, healing my son's lungs took wasn't a big deal. And they're fine now. And, and God healed him, got him out of there. But I realized that when I'm praying and I'm handing my care and my stress over, I'm handing it to someone who can do more than I can do. And so all the what ifs go away because I'm not worried about the what ifs. I'm praying to the God who handles all of that. And so I can escape in my marriage and have a date night in the middle of the most stressful moments of our life. And we can pull away from all of that because the moment with her is more important than all the what ifs. Does that make sense? So I got some good songs. You guys need a date night. Go have a date night this week. Yep. That's your homework. Go have a date night. Play your playlist. Yep. It's all good. Be um, cheesy in front of the kids. And you know, if you don't have a babysitter, hey, say, hey, kids, mom and dad are having a date night. If they ask what that is, just say there's kissing involved and they won't ask anymore. And so um, it works. You it's can, true. You do what you got to do. True. Um, next week, we were like, so we're talking about intimacy and that's going to be the last class on this. Which course. I'm just going to tell y'all is the hardest class of all of them to talk about for me. I was raised in a home that you never talked about such things. You would talk about money openly. Like that was no big deal. We didn't ever talk about sex. They never said the sex word. I'm pretty sure the stork brought me as a child. Um, yeah. That's actually, just... 21 years, I've never actually heard your parents say the word sex. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, this is being recorded. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so that's like, it's very, it's still not the easiest topic for me. He, on the other hand, was, they were very open about sex, but didn't talk about money. Like you don't talk nope. about it. And so we're polar opposites yep. in this regard. So next week will be a lot of fun. Yes. Um, I'm, my goal next week is to make my wife as awkward as possible and so you guys Great. tune in um if you can see her coloring it will turn completely red a couple of times but no here there's it won't be like that no we're not going to get in, um off color but intimacy is important and there's emotional intimacy and there's physical intimacy and that emotional intimacy actually for most marriages emotional emotional intimacy is more important than physical intimacy because physical intimacy can have ups and downs that emotional intimacy is what you what you crave that togetherness that it's what ties you together for the rest of your life um and so this can be really it's gonna be a really good class it's gonna be a lot of fun yes we'll send the link out again on saturday and sunday like we've been doing it 
I think it stays the same every week. I don't know. Yes, it will stay the same. And but then- we'll send it out anyway. So that's there. And then on our website, joyfulfamily.com, Matt's book called A Joyful Family. We have a theme going. His book is on there. If you you can buy it on there. Um, we also have fresh roasted fair trade organic coffee. And we do that as a way to fund the ministry. We're also a 501c3 if God ever lays it on your heart. Um, never required, but it's there on the website if you would so like. There's also prayer cards that we designed for your marriage and for your family. I think the other one's family. Yeah. But anyways, you can print them for free. Like if you just want to download them, they're free. Or you can um buy them pre-printed on cardstock we have them where they're pre-done um so all that's on the website yeah and if you need anything you have any prayer requests you have any questions we get questions all the time um and take those very serious and the prayer requests very serious and so definitely we're here for you guys um if you need anything matt at a joyfulfamily.com or heather at a joyfulfamily.com is our emails. Yep. If you need anything throughout the week, we're praying for you. Hope you have a blessed one. Yep. And we will see you next Sunday. Thanks for joining. Actually, all right, we got a question real quick. What do you do if your spouse gets into a mood every time they sense you are in one? Additionally, they start acting up every time you let them know that they've done something to hurt you. And they give you the silent treatment until they come back to make peace, even though they are the ones that hurt me. It's a major stressor for me. All right, so... Um, the one person I would ask is how long you've been married, if you don't mind, because uh, this, this was sent as a direct message. And so basically someone's, what do you do if every time you're in a bad mood, your spouse gets in a bad mood? Um, it's probably one of the easiest things I think marriages deal with, honestly. Um, we take it personally. We get upset. Um, we always want our spouse to be in a good mood, whether we are or not, it's, which is unrealistic um, and not fair. Um, and so this person has been married for two years. So so some of that is as your relationship matures, you kind of learn may that how to be a little bit more independent, I would say, um, it might honestly take a very honest conversation. And here's when I say honest conversation, I mean, truth spoken in love, you need to be able to talk about important things, but you also don't need to come across like a jerk, right? You gotta be truth and love yep we say that like you can't be harsh but sometimes it's just a direct conversation to where you're very open and you you know we have to be able to come to our spouse and talk about the things that are bothering us without them getting upset now the truth is they may get upset and that's okay as long as you work for a resolution in it and so you know there are sometimes maybe he'll do something that frustrates me or like in this situation i would just go to him and say hey Every time, you know, you're taking on this and perking an attitude, whatever, I need you to help. Um, and, and what's the word? Especially if for two years, um, if you're you're still kind of figuring some of that part of it out, I would definitely recommend they call it like a compliment sandwich is go to them and you. Hey, I love how you're there for me every time. But I need you to ha- to help me when I'm in a bad mood, not necessarily match my intensity. And you're, you're, you're basically making the con- the conversation as positive as possible without being passive aggressive. You can, you're addressing the need, but you're not, like she's saying, it's in love. It's, mm-hmm. but you're, start it with a compliment, praise them. Hey, this is what you're doing right. 
and everything's going great, but can we work on this? That's a lot better than walking in and say, hey, you know what? Yesterday just stunk and you really dropped the ball and I'm mad at you. And like there was one time he had done something that hurt my feelings and he was trying to, but that's not what I intended. And so we had a very honest conversation. I said, I, I understand that that's not what you intended, but you hurt my feelings and you did hurt me. And that's a valid emotion that I'm having. And so, you know, you can't invalidate your spouse's feelings just because that's not what your intention was, or you don't agree that you did it. You obviously did it because they're telling you. And so being willing to just own it and just say, okay, I'm so sorry. I, that's not what my intention was. You know, my heart for you. And so being able to just have those honest conversations um, is super important. It's part of the communication. Yeah. And I would say the enemy of, of this type of situation is our pride. Um, whenever our spouse isn't in the mood that we desire and we get upset, we typically are making it about us. Well, if I care more about me in the moment than I care about her, of course I want her to be in the right mood that I'm in because that's it's about me. And so we, you have to be willing to sacrifice the pride part of it and lay that down. And that means sometimes, guys, girls, pride means admitting you're, you're saying I apologize, even if you think you're right. Because there's you can try to win every battle. You can, you can go down fighting and, hey, I, I'm going to die on this hill. Or I can care enough about my spouse to say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry if I if I hurt your feelings. I apologize. Even in my mind, thinking, "Hey, listen, I have no idea what, what's why you would take it that way. I think you're crazy. Don't say that." But I apologize because whatever I did hurt you, whether I meant to or not, it's irrelevant. My actions caused you pain, and I own that. So I said, the next question: What if you tried this and it has not helped? They consistently it can constantly invalidate my feelings. All right. So I would say if you, if it is something that's like a big hindrance in your marriage and it's a constant and there's constant upset, I would seek counsel from a, another party. Yeah. You know, um, we are big advocates for counseling, for yeah. finding a therapist, a counselor, whatever. And so I would have, I would go to another party and we would sit down and, Hey, can we talk through this yeah. together? Cause sometimes just somebody from another perspective can help talk into somebody's life and they receive it a little better than if it's just the two of you. Yeah. Sometimes a lot of times, I think everybody should have a counselor. Y'all know I've said this a thousand times. Everybody needs a counselor either for themselves and for their marriage. Um, you know, we have our pastor is a very good friend of ours, but he's also somebody that if we were having something, we could go to him and say, okay, this is what we're battling with. Help us talk through it. Um, so I think every single person needs somebody like that in their life, whether it is their pastor or a counselor, um, whatever the case may be. So I would urge you to sit down because things like that don't get better by sweeping them under the rug yeah. they have to be talked through otherwise they just build and get um they turn into resentment they turn into resentment yeah. and then that leads to other things and so nip it while it's small yeah um and get outside counsel and, and that's two years into a marriage you're still laying the foundation for the rest of your life together and the foundation is so important and you want to build that on communication and understanding and respect and it's you have to learn how to conflict well. 
because if if you look at our society, we don't necessarily do that very well. We pick sides, we make it personal, we come out fighting, we get ugly. Or uh, we run away completely. Or if that's your fight or flight mechanism, you're out the door. Um, I shut down. She when our when we were first married, she would yell and I'd shut down. And it'd be awkward for a while and we'd pass it up and yeah. make it better. And so you have to learn as a couple, and this this does take time it, to learn how to conflict well, to learn how to navigate the emotions and the pride and the insecurities and all the messy stuff that it comes with being human. Um, and this is whether you're male or female. It's it's just life. So it's a great question. Um, it, it, it can add stress. That's where stress gets contagious. And so I um, definitely agree with what you said. She's smart. Beautiful, smart. I won the lottery. Whatever. Married okay. way over my pay grade. So next week, same time, same place. Talking about intimacy. It's the last class of this. Um, this session. This session. We will probably launch another one in the near future. Yeah, but we're, we're going to do some Sunday night Facebook or Instagram lives. And we're going to do some fun stuff to kind of stay connected. Um, some impromptu Instagram lives that'll just be kind of fun and maybe do some giveaways and stuff. But it's going to be spontaneous and exciting, and we're looking forward to it. But uh, so don't miss next week. Yeah. So have a great week, and we'll see you next time.